You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try out Built for the Stage, go to builtforthestage.com. We currently have clients in over 20 Broadway shows and other stages across the entire world while using an interactive fitness app. So if you need your own fitness coach to help you marry your, marry your pursuit in theater, with a pursuit of a journey in fitness. I'm your guy. I've been doing this 17 years. Yes, I'm that old. 17 years, been doing it, just trying to come up with that perfect chemistry of how an actor should train like an athlete, because that's what you are. All right, let's move on. Special guest, as always, super excited, was over in London about three, four weeks ago, and I got to see Moulin Rouge. Uh, a musical that I really enjoyed when I got to see it here on Broadway with some of my clients. So I made some friends in the cast, had to give it another go. Loved it. Loved it. There's a lot of crazy things going on in the audience. I'm going to share with my guests. I'll wait until we bring our guest on. But the audience was lit that night, literally, with alcohol. Um, but <laughs> our guest... Uh, current or previously was seen starring in Moulin Rouge as Christian or Christian or whichever pronunciation you want to do, depending on what character in the show uh, is saying his name. But uh, yeah, please welcome to the podcast, Jamie Budio. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being on. You seem like a cool guy already while we were chatting before uh, we hit record here. So appreciate your time. You were fabulous in the show. Um, you. you really like the character has to be we're just jumping right in. But I just really I wanted to say, like, I really appreciated your um, genuine like you weren't you didn't have your act together and that's what the character calls for. But oftentimes, sometimes if you see the movie or other productions, Christian is usually just like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know, Brad Pitt up there or something, but really, yeah, he might be Brad Pitt attractive, but he he's from Ohio. He's like this, you know, yeah, I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about it. I, I couldn't be Brad Pitt even if I tried. Yeah. So that was- 
That was easy for me. Where, where are you uh, originally from? Where are you from? I grew up in New York, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, I grew up in with like a pretty theater family. My dad worked in theater and my mom was like an opera singer and stuff. So I, I was always around theater and singing. But yeah, it's been a funny journey to come. I ended up like I went to school in America and then I went to drama school in London. Um, and then I sort of never left because yeah. I lucky I we were saying before, like how to pronounce my last name. I'm Hungarian um slightly i mean my dad's parents were hungarian so i could get eu citizenship and i could work here so i basically just stayed like i did all the pandemic and the lockdown in the uk and then i got this job and now i'm now i'm here you know it's been i only thought i was going to stay in the uk for like three years for school but now my whole my whole life is here you know my agent my career my girlfriend like so i don't think i'm i don't think i'm going back to any to new york anytime soon Okay, so what brought you to go to school in London in the first place? Just like the credibility of the school or or why did yeah. you want to go abroad? It was a couple things. I I always loved London. Like I did, I was a huge Anglophile growing up. And like, you know, I read like Dickens. My dad would like read me Dickens and stuff. And my parents honeymooned in England. Like my whole family just loves it. Um, but I studied abroad, basically. When I was in college, I studied abroad in London my sophomore year. And I really fell in love with it. And I I remember I like walked past RADA, which is quite a well-known drama school that I, you know, and I had all, you know, all these famous British actors went there. A lot of my favorite Harry Potter people went there. And I was like, oh, one day I'd love to go. So then in my senior year of college, which wasn't, I went for a very academic school. Like I wasn't, I wasn't prepped for performance really. It was much more, it was much more academic than that. Yeah. So I was like, I really, if I want to pursue performing, I need to, I need to train, you know, and, and I just applied to RADA and I got in and then, yeah, it was too good an opportunity to pass up basically. Aside from performing, did you also study writing? I saw that in your, your bio that you've done like uh, screenplays and playwriting. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Good catch. Uh, Cause this was my first acting debut. So I didn't actually have anything to like put in my bio. So I had to try to beef it up with the only thing I have done, which was writing. Cause it was just embarrassing to be like, everyone else had all their credit and I just like didn't have anything. So I had to put in my writing credits and uh, yeah, I did play writing at Yale for undergrad. And that I, was I, my life. Okay. Uh, at where? At Yale. That was where I went for undergrad. Yeah. Yale. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Uh, wow. Okay. Amazing. So smart guy and probably just as talented in, in the writing realm as you are performing. Uh, going back to what you just said, I would find it more impressive, I think. Like <laughs> if the lead of a West End show just like put it in his bio, just like, oh, this is my first time on stage. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, think I did say like professional debut. I try. I did want them to know so that they'd be like, so people reading it would be gentle on me. So if they like me, they'd be like, oh well, you know, it's his first time. Give him a break, that kind of thing. No, no, I would have beefed it up more. I would have like made a bigger thing of it. It's like I was my bio was like one day I was just walking down the street and thought, oh, I'd go audition for this West End show, and I just and guess it. what? Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Yeah. All right, so. Okay, so when I first saw the show, when I saw the show in London, I was like, oh, I wonder if this guy playing Christian, now you that I'm getting to meet finally, if he did any research on what it is to like be from a place like Ohio, 
But since you're an American, you already pretty much know. But I was looking through this cool like timeline um, of Moulin Rouge, like the history oh, yeah. of I, it. I should, have, I should have looked in this program more. They really went in depth, you know. <laughs> I was so yeah. I was gonna put you on the spot and be like, "What cool stuff did you come up with as you prep for this?" I'm trying to remember. I mean, we did like early on, I actually, when I was like really trying to be a good student, you know, and I've got the job, yeah. I was like, yes, this is like, I'm going to do all, I'm going to approach, because in drama school, I didn't go for musical theater. We, you know, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to approach this the way I would, you know, Chekhov or Shakespeare or whatever. So I, yeah. I did actually look up like where in Ohio he came from and like, what, how did he get to Paris? If he made it to Paris on a boat, then like his parents apparently must've been pretty wealthy at the time. So like, what were the industries in Ohio that he could have come from? So I had this whole backstory, but then I kind of realized that it's like a completely incidental part of the script. And it's just like, I don't even know. It just like, wasn't really helping my like performance to be like his parents worked in steel. Yeah. And that's why he knows how to operate a gun in act two. Uh, I mean, I did think of it a bit, but it was more yeah. just like he's he's new here. He's never been to Paris. And that for me actually was super easy to access like emotionally because mm. at the very end of the play, um, I have this speech where I was like, so that's I hope I can remember it. But it was like, so that's how a young man came to Paris to find himself. Instead, he found all this um, a, a place to belong, people to love and a woman, a woman who showed him all that truly matters in life. And that is exactly how I feel about London. Mm. So in a way, it, I more personalized Christians kind of being from Ohio, but now in Paris to me, being from New York, but now in London in that like, I never felt like I, like this London's where I felt like I belonged as an actor for the first time. It's where I met all the incredible people in the show who are still some of my closest friends. And I moved here in the first, in like, I moved back to England after drama school really for my girlfriend. So the love was a big part of it too. So it was very easy for me to kind of like lock into that. So you were essentially just living your life up there. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's kind of what I try to do with acting in general, but yeah, definitely. I was just, I was just living my life. Right. That's why it was a good part for me. It was very, and you know, Christian's a writer. I'm a writer. Like, yeah, I think that definitely helped in the audition process too, where they were like, Oh, there's just so many similarities. It would be, it would be weird if we didn't cast him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you don't have to really draw from life experiences for this character. You just literally are the character. Like, just, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty uh, much. With the nature of the music, with all the popular music and the ex you know extreme amount of montages, like all the amounts of different uh, tracks that are just smashed into this uh, musical do you never want to listen to popular music again after doing this show or do you still have appreciation for it i love it i love it i mean i was always like a huge pop i never had very i would say like classy taste in music like mm -hmm. i would just belt out those like one directions or whatever just like me and a 14 year old girl have kind of the same taste in like pop music so I, I always was listening to this stuff anyway. Um, but yeah, I love it. And even now, like after the show, anytime the original version of the song comes up, which is quite a lot because we there are so many songs sampled that like you listen to the radio, you know, one of them's going to show up. Right. I'm always like, oh, yeah, very cool. And everyone's like, all right, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's I that was one of the most fun parts about it was getting to sort of sing like rolling in the deep or whatever, just stuff that 
such iconic pop music. Yeah. So I touched a little bit about the intro and, and my personal experience in the audience before I get, oh god yeah I want to know about this yeah bef- I really before I get into mine uh, throughout your thirteen months performing do you have any like you know funny little things that might have happened I mean to your point about like it being lit in the audience <laughs> uh, yeah well something I realized is that the Brits really like to drink uh, I'm, I'm maybe they do in America but like the last time I was. You know, last I haven't really been in America in like six years. So the last time I was seeing shows, I think it was before you could even let like bring alcohol into the theater. I think that might be a slightly a new thing or a post-COVID thing. I don't know. But good God, it was a mess. Uh, it was like, I mean, yeah, you, you, of- you, you have those little like cocktail tables really close to the stage. Did you ever? Oh, and they're the worst. They're the worst ones. And you know, it's like you're two feet in front of us. Like. How do you not think, I I mean, a woman one time was vomiting into her handbag because she's had too much to drink, like during the like death scene. And all I can hear is her like. That's that's what I want to, that's what we're here for. All right, get, yeah. get into this. All right, get into this. This, this is real. I'm trying to remember. Put, I mean. Put us there was, with you. The death scene's happening and all of a sudden, what? Yeah, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, just it's always in the quietest moment too when when like in the pause right before you say a line like the whole audience is still and, and I could just, you could also smell it. I just heard the, oh. <laughs> it was like, Oh, like, how are you supposed to? And I still got to sing the whole song at the end, you know? Yeah. I got what, and I'm supposed to be emotional. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. I mean, yeah, there were, there were fights that broke out. Not a lot, but like there were one or two fights where I think we did have to stop the show once. A fight. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. But like, I think somebody was too drunk, and then somebody else was like, "Shh!" Oh. Like, I was like, "Don't tell me to shut up!" And then, you know, we're I'm still like acting on stage. It's insane. It's insane. Um, I think the pandemic, people kind of forgot almost how to like behave in public sometimes, <laughs> and they drank too much. Yeah, this was a combination of that. It was it yeah. was it was pretty. Sometimes it's fun. Like you know, I I recognize that Moulin Rouge is billed as a fun night out. Right. And it is, you know, you don't need it's, it. Might a little drink might help it, you know. But there's a there's sort of like a tipping point, and definitely come Friday, Saturday, sometimes tipped over. Yeah, yeah. Um, something different in London from Broadway is that they sell bottle, they sell alcohol by the bottle at the bars, which is it's like a bottle of so wine. aggressive wine. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is happening? Um, it's so, so unnecessary. I think it's theaters trying to like recoup. Yeah, I don't know. I should have my contract. I wanted like bar sales. Like that's how that's where the real money was. I'm telling you. Exactly, exactly. So not to make this podcast about drunk people. So we'll move on right after this. But my experiences in your show, I had a ton of experiences. I did see someone vomit. It was at Lion King. They did it all Mm -hmm. over the lobby in their hand, just splashing everywhere during intermission. Um, But that's another. That's another show and another story. Your show. We did have the moment of um, someone had this like bag of candies or whatever, and the rapper was just the loudest. And you know how people like they think oh. the slower they go, the less you can't hear it. And I'm like, just open, just yeah. get it open, just get it open, rip it off, Band-Aid. <laughs> but, or wait till the fucking intermission, you know? One of yeah, the wait till the wait till applause, or wait until yeah, the yeah, music yeah. until the music is like blasting. But no, like you said, with the death scene, they have to, of course, wait until one of the most 
soft uh, parts of the entire Yeah. So that, and then this this one gentleman uh, was feeling himself and was repeated. He's repeatedly trying to stand and dance during the show. I don't know, like he was at a Britney Spears concert or something. And you then know, like there's along too that goes on sometimes yeah. as well so the dance along is intense the last part the show's over and the men and women restroom the designated restrooms for uh the genders in, in this particular theater yeah. that's how they do it they're on opposite sides of like the, th- the house on one side and the other side so these two presumably presumably young ladies come into the men's restroom and i'm at the urinal peeing and uh this this girl squats in the urinal, you know, on the wall, squats in the urinal while her friend is holding a jacket like over her. No. And they're wasted out of their minds. Oh and- my, this is gonna give such a bad impression of London Theater. Like, it's not all <laughs> like this, but that what day of the week do you think? Oh, I don't uh you know what? It was it was Monday. It was on a Monday. No. No, mon- that's inexcusable. It was it's wild on a Monday. That's just so bad. It was on a Monday. At least set a Saturday or something. Right. Monday. Oh God. Right. Let's um. Let's go. Terrible. Let's go into our uh, BFTS hot seat to continue some fun times, and then I want to talk more about you as a person and performer, and not be so silly. I apologize, but I'm. Oh no, no, I love it. I'm, ha- okay. I'm having a good old time. Hopefully, everyone listening, you guys are enjoying this and laughing along as well. Uh, okay, BFTS hot seat, right? Let's put on some uh, some music to get get things going here. All right, there you go. Crank it up. You walk into a room, right? And there's okay. a movie playing. Yeah. And you've seen this movie over a hundred times, mm-hmm. but no matter what, and no matter how many times you've seen the movie, you have to stop and watch it. What is this movie? That's definitely Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition. Okay. Extended Edition. I mean, I've never, I mean, I can't even remember what the non-extended one is, but the extended is the definitive only way to do it. Don't bother if you're not going to go full in. Greatest <laughs> film of all time. Oh, I would always watch it. And I'd probably like, you know, say some of the lines along with it. Amazing. All right. Uh, you are scrolling through your playlist and you need that one song to just get you going what is that one song probably like i need a hero there you go okay pulling out from hero yeah yeah yep. there we are love it that is love a good it. one i can see you my run playlist because it's like when you're tired it's just like i'm like come on now yeah all right cool um you are not a writer not an actor not in the arts what are you doing right now what what would your job be or like what kind of life are you living Ooh, not in the arts at all. Yeah, are you like working construction? Are you a a, a stock investor? What are you doing? Man, I wish. I mean, I was gonna say like I wish I was a chef, but that's just a total fantasy because I can't cook. I just like to eat. Realistically, I'd probably like work in finance. Okay, yeah, uh, this sounds much less fun. I'd rather my life would be that I was a chef. Right. Okay. So you love to eat. What's one of your one or two like favorite dishes? Oh man, I just. I mean, I love everything. I think for me, I love. I love Italian food. Like if I had to choose one cuisine, I love Italian food. Um, 
any kind of like you know ragu meat sauce pasta i'm just glass of red wine like um that's my happy place yeah but i also just love like dim sum chinese so yeah i could i i like me and chinatown go really well together so that's always that's true too all right cool you get to play any role in a movie a musical a play anything like that what's that role gonna be i would love to play um like billy loman and all my son uh, in a uh, death of a salesman or chris keller and all my sons i love arthur miller like yeah. classic american you know 20th century plays those are kind of my favorite my favorite it's hard to say movie because like I haven't written it yet, and then I'll then I'll be in that one, you know. Oh, okay, okay. All right, that's gonna be our next question after this hot seat. All right, uh, with the hot seat, uh, last question here: You are reincarnated on this earth as an animal. What animal are you gonna be, and why? I would like to be a dog because um, my parents' <laughs> dog and the amount of love that they give that dog. Like, I'm actually jealous. I think that my dog is probably gonna inherit more than me when it's all said and done. <laughs> So yeah, a nice Scottish Terrier like my dog Dickens right now. He seems like he has a really good life. Amazing. All right, congratulations. You nailed that. You're off the hot seat. Um, I also love that your dog is named Dickens. Like y'all are, yeah. you're not messing around. Your family is all in on this. You're not lying. They love the British, the British thing. Yeah, they're into it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So let's go into this, this uh, screenplay you're going to write. What's this movie going to be? Is it going to be a thriller? Is it going to be action? Is it going to be a romantic comedy? What kind of movie? Well, I'm writing a play. I'm writing a play right now. I mean, I, well, I've written a play, which is actually going off, which I can talk about. But <gasps> the movie I'm writing right now is like a spy um, thriller comedy, which is called The Tudor. And it's based because I used to tutor like people before I got this job in Moulin Rouge, I was, I was tutoring um, international students who wanted to go to college in America. And I had some pretty crazy experiences. Cause like, these are the super uber, uber, uber wealthy, like Russian Saudi billionaires. Like I went out on their yachts to like Ibiza and would like tutor their kids. And it got a little sketchy. So I, I wanted to write a film about this, like, Tutor, this unsuspecting American tutor who gets like invited on to to tutor this like Russian billionaire's uh, kid and gets caught up in this kind of like arms deal CIA sting operation. So yeah, based on inspired by real life, but I haven't written it yet. That's just the idea in my head. You, you got to write this tonight. I'm watching it yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, uh, they, I haven't. I haven't. I've been working. I got some note cards here somewhere with some different <laughs> scene ideas. Yeah. The the premise itself is 
already captivating, but s- s- considering that it kind of actually happened in a way is going to make it all, yeah. all the more, you know, I, I was tutoring like a Bin Laden and I didn't even realize it. I mean, it was like, it was like the Bin Ladens are a big family. First of all, there's like a hundred of them. This is not like Osama. These, it's like a big construction family. It's not, you know, most of them are very reputable, but like they had like fake last names and like the whole thing. And like, I was just there out in Ibiza being like, this is the best free holiday ever. You know, they'd like fly you out. and But yeah, I just inspired. And it's insanity. That whole world is so nuts. Wait, how did I you, sorry to interrupt you, but how did these people find out about you? Like were that, like these elite, how'd they find me? Yeah. These like elite families could have afford, could afford anyone. And so how did I they, was the best of the best? I ran the, I, I, I was a pretty before, you know, I did, like I said before, or maybe I didn't say it when we were recording, but like, you know, I went to Yale. So I had like a good kind of academic pedigree and I started working with a British company over here that basically specialized in very elite, like, British schools, but they had clients who needed to want to go to America. And there just aren't that many for anyone listening who wants to like really make a career in this. It's, there's a huge, there's a huge gap in the market. There just aren't that many like American school grads living in England who don't who like, because most of them are in finance, there aren't that many who like have the time to just tutor high school kids. And I was literally one of the only ones I did it for all through drama school on the side just to like make money and stuff. And then when I left and acting wasn't forthcoming because of the pandemic, I started my own company and yeah. So that was my hustle, my side hustle. You started, you're an entrepreneur. You started your own company. I did. American Education Experts, LLC, baby. Oh my God. And you have like a website, the whole thing. I didn't have, I sort of had a website, but like I'm, I, I kind of scaled it down. I had a couple of people working for me and everything, but I, then I got Moulin Rouge and I, I sort of had to kind of like scale down my uh, tutoring operation. I'm still doing a little bit, you know, I'm unemployed now. So I was just going to so, say now that you've, yeah. now that you've stepped away from the show, are you going to go back to, you know, doing this? And yeah. I am. I mean, I still am doing it a bit. You know, I'm now another I'm starting to get paid as a writer because not for the tutor yet, but like a play that I've written is uh, is going up. Hopefully it's supposed to go up in the West End, actually, in this coming summer, summer 2023. So that's congratulations. Come on. Thank you. Well, you know, it's one of these things where if it happens, it'll change my life again. I'll be so excited. And I, it looks like it should happen, but there's a lot, I've, as I've learned from like sort of being in the developmental stage, there's a lot of things that have to go right. And it can get all the way to the very end. And then one thing can fall through and like, so I'll, I'll sort of breathe a sigh of relief when it's like opening night and we've made it, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Okay. Yeah. So we, we have now arrived to the meat and potatoes of this interview for sure. All right. All right. So okay. Tell us what the the play's called, what it's about. Let's start yeah. with there. What's the play called? What it's about? Sure. So the play the play is called Safe Space. Um, it's a comedy, and it's actually based on my kind of time at Yale in my senior year. Um, and it's about a group of students who are at Yale. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was a big debate about like changing the name of the college at Yale. It used to be uh, Calhoun College, and Calhoun was like. Uh, ex sort of uh, vice president or something, but he was also a big proponent of like slavery and racism. And there was this whole big debate about like, how do you honor or or not honor or race or change or in, in, engage with your past in these kind of like 
storied institutions. Um, and it's about a group of liberal students who are trying to be on the right side of these issues, but it's a comedy in a way about how, it's not like whether they should change it or they shouldn't change it, because they did change it. Like, it's about how those arguments sort of seep into their personal lives. And it's kind of about our, the difference between like the ideologies we hold and the way we live our lives. And hopefully sometimes the the comedy within that, but um, it's also, you know, it's heartfelt and there's some drama in there too. Yeah. All right. Trying to engage serious stuff in a sort of, in a, in a funny way. Yeah. All right. So you obviously don't just write something and send an email and then all of a sudden your play might be going up in the West end. What was your journey like of getting this thing seen? Did you do workshops? Da, 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 yeah. da, da. How, how was this journey? Well, I wrote it. I wrote the play originally when I was at RADA, even though it was based on Yale. It was kind of actually also based on your group discussions that we had at RADA. So I knew it was very like relevant to the British people. So I wrote it while I was a while I was doing acting, but I, I because I'd majored in writing before, I wanted to kind of like keep that alive. And then I ended up doing it at the RADA Festival in my third year, which was like this kind of low cost way to get it. I mean, really, I was like building the Ikea furniture myself, really low, zero budget, negative budget. Um, okay. And, but I, we put it up and I ended up getting a writing agent from that because I wrote to a bunch of different literary agents and finally one came and really liked it. And then once I had a literary agent, it became, yeah, I did some more workshops, I sent it out. And then he got a producer on board and then we got a director. And now that was kind of how it sort of steamrolled into being a sort of legitimate thing. Yeah. Where does this come from within you? Family, um, just kind of ornately or someone else in your life? So you talked about you started your own like tutoring business. Um, mm -hmm. You were building the furniture to get this like, <laughs> like how I just you have, to, you have this kind of like uh make it happen mentality where does that where does that come from just like a new york hustler at heart i feel that in my bones you know and like i i don't like to wait around i love acting but the thing that i find very hard about acting is that you have to kind of be given permission to do it um you can it's not really that fun or worth well it's just sort of self-serving to act for yourself in a room you know you need other people to sort of give you access and i i love the experience of being in front of people and, and commuting with them and like having that connection but i hate the fact that i have to sort of just like twiddle my thumbs in the meantime um and so i always was looking for stuff to make me feel like i had some agency to make me feel like i was sort of the master of my own destiny a little bit because I knew yeah. that I would not be able to sustain a career otherwise. And that's where everything else kind of came from. Yeah. Last question as we're coming on to that 30 minute mark to respect your no, time. I'm, I'm such a chatter. Shoot. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm free for a little bit, but don't worry. No, no, it's on my end. I want to make sure that, you know, I told you, all, all I told you it'd be around 30 minutes. So I want to make sure on my end, but no, this has been amazing. Uh, what I was going to say is for our writers that are listening, what is your process like? I know that some are very like, oh, it's only when the motivation or the passion or whatever strikes me. But then there's other writers, most of the time, very successful ones that are like, hey, at this time of day, no matter what, I put pen yeah. and paper and whatever comes out, comes out. What is your process like? It's definitely, definitely you just have to make the time for it you know um because if you wait i find that like if i wait for like passion to move me i'll, I'll be waiting forever 
Um, and you just, I think I just have to like, and it was hard during Moulin Rouge because like it was hard to make the time. And one of the things that's really nice now is having time. But yeah, I just try to like sit down in a cafe and like, I don't, I never write more than like three hours max because I think my brain just gets a bit fried after that. Yeah. But um, I just try to sit down in a cafe and block out a chunk of time usually one that doesn't have Wi-Fi because if I have Wi-Fi going, it's like a bit of a try to like not learn the Wi-Fi password, um, turn off my phone and just, and just see what comes out. And at least you get stuff done that way. And it's always much easier to come back and makes things, you know, polish it and make it good. But just getting it out there is the first, uh, is the first hurdle, but I really enjoy doing that. So it's, it doesn't feel like it's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it gives me, it's like very therapeutic in a way. Nice. All right. Well, everyone that's listening as the coach here, I, you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to your singing, your dancing, your fitness journey, make the time. Yeah. I would do the same with working out too. Like, you know, working out for me was a huge part of, I'm sure, you know, we could chat about that briefly because it's such a big, that's what this company is all about. But like, I learned doing this show how important it was to be in like physical shape. And I would go to the gym you know, four to six times every single week. And I got that routine down. And that was the sort of backbone of my whole day. Because I, you know, it didn't matter what I, I couldn't do anything on stage if I didn't make the time to be in the physical, you know, strong shape before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go into that a little bit more about it being the backbone of your day, because it's so true for me and for many that that people that don't practice this on a daily basis have no idea, like, how it really can center and ground you um, from day to day. I mean, for every, I mean, on the, on the most physical, I mean, just basic level, it also just prevented me from getting injured, right? So I had like, you know, it's a pretty physical show. I have to get, I'm not as bad as the dancers, but I, I do have to move. I'm on stage all the time. I get thrown around. I do a little backflip. And I had like, you know, concerns with my knee from school, just little things. And, and I, the physio was like, you know, you got to work those muscles to keep the, you know, to keep everything stable. So just, just doing that work to make sure that I felt I was, I missed, I think three days, the whole 13 months. And those were, no, yeah, I was, I was super consistent and I was really worried about that because I'd never done anything like this before. I, you know, I'd done eight shows period, much less eight a week for 13 months. But I just, if you make it your whole life and you then support it with the, so from the moment I went, the first thing I do would be go to the gym, then I'd steam, then I wouldn't talk, you know, you just make that into your build that in it's, it's actually becomes quite doable. It's when you start fighting against it, then it, then you're always trying to catch up. And it's hard because you have to say no to a lot of stuff going out late drinking a lot, like, you know, but if you just say no, then the show becomes a thing that gives you so it gave me so much doing it that it didn't feel like a hard trade off at all. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, I think that people so oftentimes overlook that if you want to do something special, if you want to be something special, if you want to do something extraordinary, then it takes extraordinary uh, adjustments. I won't even say sacrifices, but they are but adjustments to your living. You can't just yeah. be doing what everyone's doing. <laughs> no, exactly. And it, but I exactly, totally. But in a way, it's like that's part of the fun of it is knowing, like, I, I enjoy being like, I'm prepping for something when I'm at the gym and I'm tired or whatever. I was like, I'm doing this because tonight I'm going to do something really fucking cool. And like, this is going to help me with it, help my breath, it helped my voice. And the days when I didn't, you know, which were very few, if I'm being honest, because I was so worried that if I didn't do it, I wouldn't be able to do the show. <laughs> Um, but I always felt better. I always felt better when I, when I, when I did the thing, the days when I didn't, I missed it. Yeah. 
Okay. And now that you picked up that habit during the show, uh, you're continuing to do it. Has it been easy, even though the show's not going on, to continue your fitness journey? Yeah. I mean, it's something I've been really trying to stay on top of. I was at the gym today. I got plans to go tomorrow morning. Like, you know, in a way, the thing that's so nice about a show is it gives you the structure, right? And then you have to, for me, it was like, all right, I know I'm going to be busy in the night and I also need to know I'm going to be in peak shape by then. So I got to get to the gym in the morning. I got to do X, Y, and Z. Got to do a voice class, whatever. Now all that structure is taken away. Um, so that I want to embrace some of that fluidity and like give myself a bit of a chance to like, if I want to go for dinner in the night, like and see friends, I can. But I don't want, if I just totally let myself go, I, I start to kind of mental, my mental health isn't as good. So I give myself a pretty clear structure during the day. I wake up, I go to the gym, I write for three hours, and then I can kind of do whatever I want because I've done my, I've put in my work. But there are certain things that really help root me. And uh, fitness is is definitely one of those. In fact, I can probably go even harder now because I, you know, I can, I don't have to worry about like the show. I can yeah. really go for it. Yeah, you're bringing up so many amazing points. That point right there is you are a professional athlete. And if you know anything about professional athletes, they don't train the same throughout the entire year. There's an in season, there's an off season, there's a, there's a three to four month prep when they're about to get into it or get out of it, so on and so forth. So yeah, it definitely looks different throughout the year. I also love, you said, um, I went to the gym and today and I have plans to go in the morning, meaning like you already have that in your mind or on your calendar where it's that time is already allotted. So I try to tell this to clients, like it's a non-negotiable, like I feel like it, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. I said at this time, I'm going to go do it and I go and do it. Right. It feels like part of my job. And, you know, even though I'm not employed, it's part of my job to be ready to be employed at any moment, yeah. you know? And if some big audition came and I like was sort of out of shape and my voice felt bad or whatever, I would, you know, I would, I would be kicking myself. So you yeah. kind of, you have to constantly, you don't have to be a maniac about it. Like there are times that when you're allowed to take a little break and I, I right after the show went to New York for two weeks and I just traveled I was seeing friends, but now that I'm back in London, like I still consider myself as much as a professional as when I was doing the show. So I just, you know, luckily I'm, it's nice to be free in the evening, but I'm, I gotta be in shape all the time. Um, and yeah, it just feels, I just feel better about the day, honestly, if, 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 if I get it done. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready as, totally. as they say. Yeah, exactly. Well yeah. said. I like that. And, and I, I also was liking what you were talking about as far as the keeping a structure outside of the show, because when you're in a show, your days are structured, like you were saying. But I think as artists, most of the time we find ourselves as artists being uh, free spirited or just kind of going with the flow. And like you said, you kind of can get lost in the abyss there and mm-hmm. feel very demotivated, depressed, without purpose, like things like that. And having some type of regiment uh, with the gym or your three hours of writing, like these things keep us on track. As as humans, we are um, habitual creatures. Like we want those those habits and those routines to be in place. So thanks for saying all that. No, it's really, I think it's really important. It's it's a new chapter in my life right now, like in this post, I'd never you know, now I'd never done a show like that. And now I'm coming off of it. And I'm, I'm still honestly figuring out how to make the most of that time. It's been only a couple of weeks, but yeah. like, 
definitely fitness and, and, and routine has been very helpful for me so far. Cool. Jamie, pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for your time on Built for the Stage podcast. You're awesome. Thanks, bro. Great. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate yeah. it. And I, I love what you do. And yeah, I love all Thanks. this stuff. So mutual. You're awesome in the show. And I can't wait to see your play. Hopefully, you know, yes. what, what, yeah. what's, what's what's the date on, on when it might be? May through July is uh, in the, in London right now. Uh, rehearsals in April. So yeah, I think opening right in mid-May or something. All right, cool. Well, if that stuff uh, starts to pop off with marketing and whatever, we'll be sure to share it on our page as well. Everyone, you can get more information about Jamie in the description of this episode, um, including his Instagram handle at Jamie uh, Bodio. Yeah. <laughs> but it's B-O-G-Y-O. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, got that D in there, but spelled with a G. You'll see that spelling in the description of this episode, as well as uh, some info about the play Safe Space coming out hopefully next year in 2023. Jamie, congrats, and thanks Thank again. You, Cheers, bro. See you, bro. See ya. Bye. All right, everyone. Jamie, awesome. Really cool chatting with him. Um, rewind it at least five times because the amount of amazing uh, golden nuggets that were in that uh, episode that he just brought up are definitely worth listening to and living a life by. So thank you to Jamie Bogio. All right, I'm Joe Roscoe with Built for the Stage. Actors are athletes. Make sure you're training like one. You can try that free trial on builtforthestage.com. Until then, we'll see you next time. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.